Hello everybody and welcome back to American Entrepreneur Off The Wall. My name is Chris Pastrana and today I'm joined with Brandon Stevens. I like to drink. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I figured oh, as we're I'm talking. Like, I'm actually like really weird with this because everyone I meet says when you're drinking like any type of alcohol, the last thing you want is chocolate. I always crave chocolate. It's really weird. I'm like the exact opposite because most people like uh, you've heard that before, right? No, like, I've never heard that before. Really? Yeah. It's like I, everyone I meet is like, oh, it's like if you drink, you like chocolate is becomes disgusting while you drink. Like you don't want it. And I'm like, really? Because I crave it. So I'm, uh, like half the times I'm like, oh, I, I now want something sweet. It's really weird. But that's yeah. actually why I like. Um, what is it? Uh, American Honey Wild Turkey. OK, it's a really good whiskey, but it's sweet whiskey. Right. So it's, yeah. it's got a sweeter taste to it because it's cinnamon. So that if I drink that, I don't freaking like crave anything that's sweet yeah i'm just fat so i will always have something sweet like because I'm, I'm huge <laughs> so I've, I've never heard that before where someone won't eat chocolate because they're drinking this not in my family <laughs> interesting <laughs> okay yeah i've never heard that before i'll have to i have to not have to look that up it's i don't know if it's like a like just a, a new england like folk no, i don't want to say folktale but like a, a a sl- it just a, a like a trend thing that people are like oh um if you're drinking you don't you know like you don't want chocolate you don't like chocolate or you know stuff like that mm. but i've said before that i've got a craving and everyone i've told that to so far has been like weirded out like really like why like yeah. you're not you know it's like the same thing when i tell people like um when when i tried weed for the first time and i hated it because it's like everyone's like oh it relaxes you i'm like no it doesn't <laughs> no it doesn't yeah uh, so I wrote it down because I'm going to check that out later because it's something I've never heard before. Oh, yeah, find it int- I've never looked it up, but you'll find probably somebody who says it now that you're, now that you're thinking about it, you'll run into somebody. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'll be at the bar and someone will walk up and be like, they'll just say something about it. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, how you been? Not bad. I'm uh, just coming along with a tent. I've like two or three jobs coming up. Yeah, drink. So I'm just looking that up as we talk. Of course, um, you're looking up while you're on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's the point of the show is research this real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? So tin's coming along pretty well. Uh, I'm really enjoying that. I did a. I sent you pictures of that big job we did up in the Lakes region. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, that was a great day. Like I said, window cleaning. I was making about twelve to fifteen hundred dollars a week, kind of no, every two weeks. I want to say right. That's just working with fish. Yeah, not bad money, not great either. But then, like that one job, I made a save out of money in eight hours, and I'm like, yeah. So I'm out there, I'm out there talking to my boss because I was telling him about it the next day, and uh, I'm like, you know, if I get a lot of these, I don't know how much longer I'll be working for you. <laughs> And next, I was trying to get the point across because he's like, "Oh, that's that's great money." I'm like, "Yeah," and he just wasn't it wasn't clicking two to two. And I'm like, "Man, okay, let me spell it out for you. If I get two weeks worth of your pay on one day up at the lakes, if I can do even two of those a month, right? I, I don't need to work for you anymore. <laughs> right? No, right, right, like, right." And then that leaves me a lot more time because that's two days a month for 2400 bucks. Yeah. I'll take that over working 20 days a month. 
No, exactly. No, it's I'm, I'm actually glad you segued into this conversation because the, it's about leverage, right? It's about like what you're how do you make something make more? Like, so you get in, I'm like, I, one of the things that I learned in the past seven years, one of the things that I've learned that I am very grateful for learning is the idea of leverage of making something mean, like make, if you're going to take an action, make it produce a lot more than a one-to-one ratio. Right. And so like with what you were saying, you could go hunt one job for, I mean, if you were to do window cleaning, like you could do like spend one hour window cleaning and make X amount of money, or you could go spend one hour trying to get a tent job that pays up for two plus weeks of window cleaning. Right. So that's a leveraged position. That's leveraged thinking, right? All right. Which is more valuable just going here and getting this done or spending time doing, you know, spending the same hour to do something that will free up God knows how many hours of your time right? That's leverage, right? Because you make more money, you have more time, you have more freedom. And so it's, it's more than a one-to-one ratio of leverage. It's actually why it's heavily. And like the more, like, it's so funny that our very first podcast you and I ever did was about Cody Capital. And it was about when we were doing a, I was into credit and business credit. And then we mentioned the nonprofit stuff on it. And yeah. now Cody Capitals has turned into a private equity and consulting firm. And I'm heavily in the MA world. And we're seeing leverage at a very high point where it's like me and several of my partners are currently looking at businesses in Vermont. And we're actually kind of knee deep into a business acquisition where if, you know, like if this specific one goes through, if you compare startup time, and this is what I love, this like blew my mind when I really started thinking about this. When you compare startup time for how much time you spend in a startup to get one sale of a certain price at something, and then the minute you get that sale, you have to fulfill and do it again. We're spending less time buying something that's going to cash flow constantly, right? Yeah. It's, what, it's how people think about real estate, right? But it's almost it's a different world but it's better so it's like i'm i'm remembering the days when i used to like spend days on end trying to negotiate a marketing deal for a marketing retainer of maybe two thousand dollars or a fifteen hundred dollar website project or something like that and then the minute you close it then you're on borrowed time right because before you have to go get more and now i'm realizing i'm spending the same amount of time if not less for when we close one deal it's just i got like 10x the cash flow for you know until we sell the business right where we get a big chunk of money then too so it's like that whole leverage perception is just it's once you start thinking like that you can't unthink it and that's probably the biggest lesson i've learned over the past seven years yeah yeah i don't have a lot to say to add to that but yeah (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, you're, that's what I'm saying is you're right in the crunch. You're, you're experiencing it in real time because you were like, oh, you were during the tent job. You're like, wait a minute, I can do one of these and it frees up all my time and I get paid like, two, you know, like two weeks plus a pay. Yeah. Whoa, what is this? Right. That's the same feeling I had when I went from trying to make a startup work to getting into business acquisitions and buying businesses. It's like that different form of leverage is insane. And you don't think about it normally because normally you're like, oh, I just want to, I just want to do something, right? Like I just want to build something. I just want to do something. I just want to do it. But if you get into that, I call it lateral thinking. When you get into that lateral thinking, you're like, wait, 
it's, I guess they call it like high valued actions or high valued skills or like um, $10,000 an hour skills. It's just a different way of thinking. Mm. Yeah. And I definitely noticed the, 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 there's an old saying, I forget who told me, but the money is in the niche. So, yep. you know, instead of being like a Dunkin' Donuts employee, right, where the person has to know how to make donuts and then make coffee. And then so you have this huge array of things you kind of have to do, tasks and all stuff. You get to window tinting. All you have to do is know how to tint windows. Yep. And it's so focused that you can make a lot of money doing that one thing. Right. And even um, I don't know if that's applied all around or just fairly generally but i found it works out pretty well because even window cleaning which isn't as profitable as tinting is far more lucrative than like it's again working on dunkin donuts something like that so i found the more specific and niche you get the more money you make which is kind of nice yeah, yeah i mean it narrows down the market but also puts you as the authority in that niche and in that market like if you all you do is talk about new hampshire tint, tinting windows and you know you show all your tinting jobs you become known as the window tinting guy so guess what people are willing to pay the window tinting guy to tint windows so if that comes with a premium so be it yeah and that's what i'm open for <laughs> And uh, cause so I work with a gentleman out in Hooksit, um, where he has his own tinting business and then I have mine, but he'll pull me on for jobs that he can't handle by himself and right. vice, vice versa. Right. So small jobs, I can just do them much bigger jobs. Like the lake one, we had to work together to go do it. And, uh, he really, so he, he wants to get out of automotive cause he doesn't like automotive tinting, but he makes yeah. a lot of, he makes a lot of money. Right but he's trying to get into flat glass, which is more what I do. Right. So to sabotage him, (laughs) (laughs) um, I get two or three leads a day on automotive tinting because people, for whatever reason, they see my ad and they're like, Oh, do you do cars? I'm like, no, I, nothing about my website says cars Right. on Google. It's, I specifically told them, do not show my ads to anything with the word auto in it. Right. Right. <laughs> like not, I don't want them. I get two or three calls a day. Do you do cars? No. Um, so, so send but, them to your competitor. Every single one of them. I'm like, go talk to that dude. He's, and, and then he's like, well, Chris, I don't, I don't really want to do cars anymore. And then you're like, but you get so many jobs, man. <laughs> like, even though you're the one sending them to him. <laughs> yeah. He's booked out like into July already. Just, all the way and you he's like continue doing cars <laughs> yeah and i'm like you buddy can do cars and if you get flat class just send that right over to me <laughs> i'll help you out right <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny I yeah, love yeah. so it deters like it's good because if you need him he can help you yeah, but yeah. in the same time you're sharing he doesn't have to learn something new. You don't have to go back and do, you can monetize the car stuff if you want um, by having him do it, giving you a kickback or whatever your arrangement is. Yeah. But you guys can stay in your areas of expertise and make money together, but you're both tent shops. You're both tent people. Yeah. yeah. I, I just laugh because I love always, that. He's always like, I'm trying to get out of it, but I get so many, you know, uh, leads and calls and stuff and i'm like because i sent them all to you and now, now now your extra cherry on the top for that is every time somebody calls you be like i know or not just like consider him the car window like the window car tent guy right like start yeah, yeah. start telling people he's the window car tent guy <laughs> like brand yeah. him as that. yeah 
He'll and, guaranteed uh, love you for it. Yeah. And him and I were talking about this this past weekend. We're, um, we were rolling with the idea of opening a joint shop so that I like we're, that we're all under one roof, technically under one roof. So that would allow us to do quite a bit more because again, we would be working together. Um, and then instead of us being the ones doing all the tenting, we could then hire and move more yep. into that direction for management. So we were talking about it. It's an idea we're rolling around. We're going to see. That's, that's kind of like a merger. Yeah. So we're, we're thinking about it and we would, we would do same thing we have now where NH tint, which is my company would do residential commercial and black tie tint would do automotive. So we would keep them together, but we're playing with an idea. We're seeing your cost, your expenses kind of like build the brands. You got, you build it separate brand, but I mean, you guys could just start a new co together that also holds both the original companies. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff we can do. We just got to figure out what we want to do with it. Cause he's very well established right. so we don't want to ruin that opportunity but then uh, at the same I'll, give, time, I'll give an example you don't shut down what you're doing like your yeah. brands but you could like you have new hampshire tint he has you said black tie yeah what is it black tint. tie tint black tie tinting then you guys like just like this is not the name so don't hold me to this <laughs> but then you guys just like the holding company to those two companies you start like the new hampshire tinting group right yeah and it's like it holds those two companies but you continue advertising under those companies but then operations and business and you know like that stuff is done under that joint brand because yeah. you both co-own it type of deal and you set things up similar to that i mean that brand will get its own reputation in the right arenas yeah, but yeah. you guys will keep your prior customers so i was writing that down for the idea We'll go, we're doing a job again this weekend, so we'll see what uh, what comes out of it. So yeah, it's smart. It's 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 quite smart because if you merge at this point and grow it, and then do something like that as you grow, you just I don't know how many other New Hampshire tinting companies there are in the area. But Not enough. You look for you know like there's going to be other smaller guys that are either eventually wanting to get out of the business because they just don't want to work in it period. Not, not because it's not profitable, but because they want to retire and not work in it. You yeah. just do roll up down and your stuff, you gain all their customers, all their lists and you go vertical instead of just focusing on new customers, you focus on acquiring other tent shops or their asset list or, you know, like their databases, whatever. And you can grow like that. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be something interesting to look at. Cause like I said, tent shops are interesting because take new hampshire right there's not a lot of us right. and like i said my phone is going off the hook and i don't even do automotive right so i'm not i'm not pulling in referrals i get two three leads a day just on you know uh i don't want to call it organic but they're paid but people just call me i get stopped i got stopped twice yesterday once i'm driving down the highway and someone's honking and I look out my window and they have their window rolled down. We're going 50. Right. And they're like, yelling out the window. And I'm like, man, I can't hear you. Right. But he was trying to find out if I do automotive. I'm like, no, I don't do automotive. So how'd they know that? Wait, did you have your like New Hampshire tent on your car? Like, yeah, yeah. My, my, um, 
you know, because of Strike Fear Clothing, um, I do vinyl and decal yeah. and stuff. So I have my vehicle decaled. Okay. So I was hoping, and it wasn't just a random guy. <laughs> I have no I idea. Do you tint? Just yelling at random people. Do you do tint? <laughs> that would be that would be more. Uh, I don't even know what word I'm trying to use there, but that would be more understandable, right? So yeah, just but dude, we're going like 50 on the highway because we're coming up to an exit and you're yep. yelling at me trying to figure out if I tin cars. I'm like, man, what the heck? And then I was at a gas station last night, fueling up same vehicle. Hey, do you guys do vehicles? I'm like, I don't do vehicles. We only do buildings. It literally on my car says residential commercial. I need to put like a big picture of a freaking house on there. So we were like, Oh, yeah. they're still going to ask me. Do you do auto? No. But do you do but- autos at home? <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> like oh my god you guys are trying so hard and and it's funny because if i did automotive i wouldn't have any money issues right so right. uh i know the other tent shop i was telling you about they pull in a lot of money and he's only he only tents part-time right so he i think he was telling me he makes over seven thousand dollars a month just auto tinting and that's part-time right right so Tinting is a good industry. I mean, if you guys, the thing is, he's doing it part time, so you may not want to do it. But if you guys did do a merger you, and you were under the same roof in the same building, you actually could go over and pick up your business by just helping him out when he needs it as well. Correct. Absolutely. Makes I just, it super easy. Yeah. Yeah. I just hate, I hate auto tinting. It's annoying, but it's whatever, you know. And so tinting is one of those things that a lot of people don't think about it. And up here in New Hampshire, there's not enough of them because of the laws. And we're in the north. Everyone's like, oh, who needs auto tint? A lot of people want it. They don't realize it. And there's only a few shops. So everyone's busy all year round. It's it's crazy. So <laughs> now I agree with you about the niches, though. It's the same thing, no matter what industry you're in, in MA, mergers and acquisitions, like what we do, even, even when we're buying the businesses we're looking at, we're specific, like we have, we're specific about it, right? We're not just looking at anything. Like we're looking, our thing is asset heavy or asset backed businesses, you know, like businesses with equipment or, you know, like fixtures and things that have value that we can use to get into the deal or protect investors on the deal because they can be sold off, right? They have value to them. And um, one of the coolest things about acquiring a business um besides seller financing and all that stuff that you uh, is a requirement in every deal that i now have um is the fact that if you ever be when you get to the closing table you can have deferred you can use a current business's assets to get into a deal they're they're you know like their book of their revenue their book of business their accounting their um assets that they have on file because once you own the business right at closing after it closes yeah you're you can ha- may have a clause where you can defer the uh the down payment for the closing till yeah, after yeah. closing 60 90 100 whatever has to be agreed upon with the seller but if you do a club but after it closes even if the down payment is deferred you still own the business at that point you can use the business assets to pay for the acquisition of the business hmm. so it's like that's one of the reasons why we niched into asset heavy businesses because that's a no-brainer right yeah those so you start stacking seller financing assets you know high revenue revenue based financing etc on that stuff mixing a little private money you're good to go you can get into businesses without bringing a lot of money to the table and 
90% of the solve through a deferred down payment, right? So Nanish is correct, 100%. I mean, like, we're not going to go out and buy like, a, I don't know, what's a non-asset, what's a non-asset heavy business, like account, like as much as I kind of want an accounting or bookkeeping firm somewhere, they're not asset heavy, right? Like that you can't yeah. really protect against um, that and your downside with our, with uh, how we protect our investors and stuff. But yeah. niching is that, is smart like that because when we start talking to people, like when when uh, one of my partners is talking to investors, um, they brought their friend in and their friend went, oh, these are the guys who buy asset heavy businesses, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, if we didn't generally tell people that was our niche, kind of what we dealt with, then that wouldn't be the conversation, right? That, that, was, a, that was a conversation in passing we didn't tell the third party that yeah it was one they said it was part of our brand so yeah i agree on mission is because it gets out there what you do but if you just go and like oh i buy like if i just go tell everybody oh i buy businesses what what how is that going to help anybody because they don't know what to there's too much right there's too much there right and that's that's the argument but that's the argument around niching versus not niching is if i niche will i lose opportunity potentially but people will know what to bring you because people are don't want to be confused, right? Yeah, you know, people yeah. are confused, they don't take action. So if they, if they don't know what to bring you, they don't know what to refer to you, they're not going to do it. Correct. So I, I agree with you on that one, definitely. Um, when, so I used to have this argument all the time with people and because you'd ask them like, who is your ideal customer, right? And mm-hmm. I'll get something like anyone with hair. <laughs> oh, okay, Barber, I get it, right? Or anyone who sleeps. They sell pillows, right? And I'm like, for the love of God, can you not narrow it down at all? And they're like, well, no, it's this. And I'm like, no, no, no. You're a barber, right? You're not dealing with anyone with hair. Not all the time, but most likely you're dealing with a man. Most likely, right? And... And if they're paying your rates, it's going to be a man with a little bit more money, <laughs> right? So narrow down what you're looking at a little bit. And are you eliminating people that won't be able to do business with you? Yes. But you're also, one, drastically cutting down your acquisition time because now you're almost self-weeding out businesses right. that aren't going to be dealing with you or people that aren't dealing with you. And you can focus on things up front that okay it meets this four criteria okay now we can take the time to vet it because like you said like we were talking about earlier with the tent shops there's only like a dozen of them in new hampshire we'll never be able to get through all that workload right we could triple the number of businesses in new hampshire and we'll never be able to touch all the workload we have up here so it's like that how many businesses could you acquire there's millions and millions of them and more starting every day you know you can start an llc and as you know from real estate it's literally just someone's address on their house right that's not a business you're looking at but that's a business right Right. it's not what you're looking at someone who could be um let's use gail as an example like an empowerment coach that's not a business you can buy because yeah, that's not that's not something that we could do in any way and make it worth our while. Right. Absolutely. Not saying that what she does isn't valuable, but it's just 
to a to an acquisition company that's not our criteria it's correct at. she has she does not have assets right like as yeah. part of her business profile that we can use to do what we need to do absolutely but like a landscaping company or a, a tree yes uh, a, uh like a tree home building company, company. Yeah, anything. They have tools, Dreaming they have equipment. Any, right? I'll even go further. We talked about avatars and niches. Right now, we're right now. This isn't. We don't always look at specifically this. We're always asset heavy, but we don't always look at specifically this. But right now, we've been telling everybody asset heavy, asset heavy companies around New England in the manufacturing and construction industry. See, we even went that deeper with our perfect, you know, yeah. customer avatar. Because guess what? The construction and um, manufacturing industry technically has, I mean, typically has assets. Yeah, right? heavy assets, right? So it gives yeah. it gives it the value that we need to be able to get in and look at things. And guess what else about uh, construction and manufacturing is typically true? The recession proof. Yeah. So it's, there's a reason to the madness, but uh, that, you know what that does when I tell people that, that means they know I'm not going to go out and like try to buy a digital business, you know, with the, if yeah. they were to invest with us or partner with us, they also know I'm not going to go out and try to buy, you know, um, an accounting firm or something like that. I may, I mean, like I may buy a laundry mat, you know, if we, if we take yeah. out the lot, you know, the uh, manufacturing construction focus, why? Because laundry mats are asset heavy. They have all those washing machines and dryers, right? Which can be sold off and used to help with the business. So there were things I also tell people I like boring businesses, right? Why? Because okay. boring businesses make money, right? It's not complex, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you you understand that when you said landscaping, that's that's what I'm talking about. Like yep. but the bore, if it's boring and it has assets, I might freaking love it, right? So absolutely. He said landscaping that's like almost as boring as it comes right yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> like I mean, i'm sure there are people who love it but yeah i'm sure there are um like if you're 90 years old and you have like a house and you keep it all nice and clean and stuff <laughs> i'm not good at that type of stuff i would have to hire someone to do my landscaping i hate doing it right I, I have to mow my lawn i still haven't freaking done it like it's been like a month <laughs> but that's why the landscaping companies do so well is because there are people like you everywhere Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So we don't like doing our lawns. Uh, it needs to get done. Like, great. We'll do it for you. Like, oh, perfect. That's why window cleaners, you know, same thing, you know, people can clean their own windows. It's not difficult, but you want it to look relatively decent and you don't yeah. want to do it. I, right? so you, you pay someone to come into your house and do it. Right. I've never looked at my window and gone, I really want to clean this window. I've gone, it needs to get clean, but I've never been like, what am I doing today? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's amazing. Like, it's stupid how, um, like you're saying, you never think about it until you do it. And you're like, I, it, it, it should get done. Yeah. I really it, don't it want it. looks dirty. It needs to get done. Yeah. Yeah. And in those businesses, tend to do pretty well and people pay for them you know like i did a house today uh for our, for window cleaning that it was 800 dollars. you know it took four hours but 800 bucks in four hours and that's not too bad no it's you not know? was two four six eight wow 200 bucks an hour there you go yeah i mean 70 percent of it goes to the business 30 yeah. percent to us so it wasn't too bad and then the house the second house we do we did two houses today First one was 800, second one was 300. So $1,100 in production in uh, five and a half hours. 
So that's like, boring. It's a boring yeah. business that nobody likes to do, but it needs to get done. And that's what makes it a gold mine. Absolutely. And then from there, we just upsell into tint, which is <laughs> driven where we've been trying that's to what do. that's that's one thing that I wish I really looked at um years ago, starting out too, was the fact like everybody, everybody on this online world is so crazed about jumping into the next thing, like cryptocurrency and NFTs and the metaverse. And I'm not saying anything against that stuff, but everybody's trying to build the next new age business. Yeah. And when there's still so much tried and true money left on this planet and the needs-based, boring, unsexy work around the planet, it's just why it's the same reason why um for the people who don't want to start a business, when you get, instead of going to college, you almost have a much higher success rate if you go to a trade school instead. Absolutely. And come out of it. So this is, I like that you brought that up. Um, this is one of those areas that people talk about all the time because they talk about uh, trades and how the trades are really suffering right now because people aren't going into them. Right. right? Because everyone wants to go to college, everyone wants to get the cushy nine to five job, Silicon Valley type stuff, right? But if you go become a plumber, HVAC tech, um, roofer, roofer, any landscaper, you can make really good money, mm-hmm. pretty easy. Window cleaning, you know, there's yeah, so, there's so many businesses out there that, like. I think our window cleaning company needs like four or five more people just to maintain what we have now. We're so understaffed and we get paid pretty well. You know, like I don't want $1,500 every two weeks. I want to be paid more than that, but $3,000 a month is pretty good for most people. Right. And window cleaning is not difficult. Right. So if you want a, a easy, low stress job, you can and make decent money. You can do something like that, right? Right. And like you said, HVAC, all these things. There's so many opportunities that um, just aren't being met. And because of that, there's opportunity. And everyone, like I said, everyone wants to get into the fancy, cushy crypto job and all this yeah, stuff. Crazy stuff. And they don't even know where to start, though. They think that going to college and then you go to college and you realize they're not educating you on the stuff that you actually would need to even get into that. And then you get out of college and you're like, what am I doing? You know, like... Yeah. I should be in this awesome job by now, but I haven't learned anything towards it. And then you feel you're stuck in this place where you're like, all right, I'm better than the trades, but you're not educated enough to do the job you went to college for. What do you do? You end up at McDonald's. Yeah, absolutely. And, and well, and McDonald's just hires the same window cleaner to come in yeah. and just clean the damn windows. And you're like, ah, bye guys, you know, and you're just laughing at them because window cleaning is easy. <laughs> And I still make more money. Yeah. I mean, it's like my last job I physically held was like for before self being coming self-employed, starting my very first business was roofing. And why? Yeah. Because I enjoyed it. Why? Two reasons. One, I wasn't cooped up inside all day. Yeah. And two, well, it was good money. <laughs> yeah. It was quite good money, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I was never complaining, you know, at the end of the day. Obviously, it's hard, it's labor and hard work, but mm-hmm. I mean, you feel like you're getting stuff done. Yeah. And the labor is part of it, too. You're not putting on a bunch of weight. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we're eating like two boxes of pizza while roofing. It could be, but it burns. Okay. You know, yeah, it burns yeah, yeah. pretty quick. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, I was talking uh, my first day on the job. My uh, my boss asked, "It was like, hey, why did you consider window cleaning?" Right, right. 
And what I told him was, I've learned there's always opportunities to make a lot of money in jobs people don't want to do. Correct. So look at, so this is where I tell a lot of bro, dirty jobs. Oh, I I love that show. Yeah. 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 So anytime, like anything in your house, you know, if you're like, oh, I really don't want to do that. Oh, okay. Let's go look online and see if there's a business around that. Right. I've seen businesses around people like um, kind of people's homes and pick up all the dog poop in the yard. Right. Mm -hmm. I've seen, you know, uh, septic services, they come pump your septic tanks and stuff. I'll give you a super boring kind of like off the box one that I learned of recently. Yeah. yeah. Parking lot sweepers. Oh yeah. Uh, parking lot sweeping. There's a pickup letter off the part, like their entire contracts, like they get paid hundreds of dollars an hour to go pick up litter from parking lots. I was like, what? (laughs) That's phenomenal. Like, I love that idea. Um, Because in the army, we do something called, um, was it clean sweep? So essentially what it is, it's a whole week. It's awful. Uh, We just go around the base and clean everything on base, right? Top to bottom, everything. Right. And it happens twice a year. Everything is clean top to bottom. So it's called police calling. So you pretty much get in line and walk in line. And every time you pick up something with trash, you pick it up put it in a bag right so that that type of uh cleaning it i don't see it a lot on the outside but you keep the base looking really nice trash free all stuff so i can imagine uh there's a there's a market for it and the contracts are pretty big which is interesting and you can do as one person you don't need any special skills you just need a a litter picker up or in a bag or whatever in your car it's it's really interesting i was uh i forget the gentleman's name but there's a guy who wrote a book about it Mm -hmm. and about how he retired doing it and like he runs a successful business and subcontracts out around the united states for parking lot cleaning (laughs) i was like all right that's really kind of cool but not something I'm going to do, but I, I like it. It proves his point. If I ever got into a pinch and I absolutely needed to do something to make money, you can go to any any place that has a parking lot in a store, find out who owns the store and be like, hey, I see you have all this, you know, like litter and crap and all this stuff around. Have you ever thought about hiring a parking lot cleaner? Yeah. No. I mean, like, I'm sure your customers aren't happy with us. Yeah. I mean, if you look you know the areas like when i drive into like lawrence <laughs> yeah you know you know when you hit the barrier because the place is just trashed right yeah. so there are places that will specifically hire window cleaners you know someone that would clean the parking lot to make sure things look nice for their image right you're yeah. not gonna you're not gonna want to go to i'm trying to think of a high-end store um whatever i mean this is the reason we have hoas right so that there's a standard upheld so that everything looks nice and a lot of times businesses don't have the manpower to do it themselves so absolutely they would be like yes clean the parking lot make it look spotless make it look nice so that we don't look like yeah plus if they don't outsource it that's another employee they have to put on their payroll and there's there's extra expenses besides just paying them you know like an hourly amount that the business has to incur by keeping that employee on so it makes more sense to just contract it out to someone yeah you want to talk about entry-level jobs that anyone can do i love the i love that idea of parking lot cleaning because i can only it's such things like (laughs) things things like that are why i love entrepreneurship because 
name a, a college kid that needs a job. Like, what are you going right. to do? You're going to go in the sparkling lot and you're going to pick up all the trash. I, uh, that's not the sexiest thing out there, but. If you start yeah. a business out of it, you're going to be making more than the guy working at Walmart or McDonald's or Dunkin' Donuts or any of that stuff. You're, you're going to at least be making manager level plus pay at any place. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just by do just by securing the contracts. Obviously, it's not guaranteed and it takes work. But I mean, what what degree do you need to do that? I could I could, you know, like as long as I had a car, if I wanted to start a business like that, I could potentially start it for under a hundred dollars. Yeah. Buy trash bags, you know, or and like, like a whatever to pick the stuff up. Or like a cheap litter picker or whatever. Yeah. Or yeah. a scooper thing, whatever, where you sweep it into the thing and then it goes into the bag. Yeah, that's oh, it. You know, you know, get rolling. There's so many good ideas out there. and Sometimes I wish there was more than one of me so I could do a whole bunch of stuff. Because it's just well, that's, that's why I got into because you and I both have extreme ADHD. That's also why <laughs> I, I chose to stop starting things and get into buying things, right? Because like it's just a different if I can buy my way into a business that we can then put an operator in, I'm good. I'm now in that industry and I have that that whole like ADHD fizzle thing taken care of, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's something I own and I'm a part of, but I don't actively need to build it. I can just stabilize it and let it be or let it slowly grow and compound year after year that like because <laughs> you know like we're both ADHD is something like we see opportunity everywhere yeah and that's that's probably the biggest thing with being opportunity oriented in your mind because yep. once you start seeing opportunities like you can quickly become overwhelmed with that because you're like there's an opportunity there's one <laughs> There's one opportunities for everybody. You just wanted right. to feel like Oprah Winfrey giving out cars. <laughs> Glad you understood that reference. Uh, <laughs> and uh, because because they're everywhere, and you just got to know where to look for them. Like I said, to get starting in window cleaning, you could probably get rolling for about 100 200 bucks, you yeah. know, on on the cheap end, and get going. Right, you pick up a couple routes, get working. If you're doing it by yourself, you make more money. Um, and then get cleaning, right? Yeah, build a subcontract. Yeah, absolutely. There's tons of stuff that you can do, and and like I said, even more. What I used to do in we were taught this drill. I forget where I was, but you keep a little notebook on you, and every day you run into an issue that just annoys you, write right. it down, right? So after a month you'll have a, like a list of like 50, 60 things that annoy you, then start solving those problems and boom, business. <laughs> boom. Yeah. No, that's, that's actually quite smart. It's yeah, it yeah. Is. because any problem that you're running into the um, finding the solution is a business opportunity. Yep, absolutely. And I saw this one. It was really cool because I have this issue. I have huge hands. I'm a massive person, right? I have big yeah. hands. In your car, if you drop something and it slides down the sides of your seats, it is incredibly frustrating trying to get your big old meat hands yeah. <laughs> under your car seat to get things, right? But I was flipping around online and I saw someone that invented, um, I don't even know how to explain these things, but they're like little inserts that go between your seats. Oh, I've now, seen those, yeah. Yeah, now things can't fall down between the yeah, seats. Yeah, they just can't do like, it. Like, perfect. That's, that's exactly 
the the solution I needed to yep saves saves not just car keys and all that stuff but like food other crap you know like keeps your car cleaner technically too Mm -hmm. yep so stupid things like that there's always and people will buy it people will buy it I'll give you I'll give you one um I very rarely can find hat like so one I hate those those flat brimmed like snapbacks right like I like snapback hats but trucker form right where they're regular hats they're regular brim not the big fat ones i like i hate those but i like regular hats like um yeah i know the audience can see this but you'll see what money me like this is a regular hat yeah right like i like that so 90 percent of hats that look like this do not fit me will not fit my head it's yeah. taken me two almost three years to find one company who made a hat like this an extra large that fits my head comfortably yeah that's how long it took to find it. That was a problem I've had for years. If somebody came to me and had solved this problem years ago, I would have put, I would have invested all my money into their company. <laughs> like, because I just wanted a hat that I could wear that wouldn't drive me nuts and fit comfortably on my head. Yeah. The only, like the only real way to solve that problem without buying like 50 different types of hats is uh go directly to the vendor expos and check them out right so there's a huge i think there's one in california and they do it in florida as well i forget where the other one is and you know one's definitely in california and you go there and the whole expo is apparel companies um and every every piece of that puzzle all laid out so all the people can go around and see different types of screen printers, different types of inks, different types of clothing. No. And you go to those places. And but which is funny because that's not marketing to the average person, it's marketing to the apparel companies. Right? Yeah. Because they want someone like me to buy their hats so I can sell them to my customers. Yeah. They don't really have a good place where um, you can go in for the end user to look at the type of hats they didn't want. <laughs> right. You know? Right. So, yeah, this company is called Melon, and I will never buy a hat from another company because this, this company was the first one to solve my problem that I could find, right? Yeah. And now I will only buy hats from them. They have waterproof. Like, also, all these hats, they're not only, like, super awesome and fit me, they're freaking waterproof. Nice. I was like, what? And they, you know, they're regular hats, too. Like, I was like, all right, dope. Like, but... um. I love them. I was like, all right, you guys got my money forever because you solved my problem. But also, if you think about it, perfect customer avatar. If there was a company that came out that specifically marketed to people like me, because I'm sure there are more people like me about, you know, like and had their entire marketing message about do 90% of hats not fit your head? <laughs> like, and then just led with that. Yeah. Crush it. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't even think of a funny name. Like- <laughs> Big ass hats. That's what I'll call it. Like <laughs> so big they can fit on your ass. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> like my my daughter has that same problem. She's a big head. Like she can fit into my hats. And she's five right. years old, so I'm always laughing at her because she's got a big freaking head. Because <laughs> I'm an awful father. That's funny. All right, then. Well, now you know how to get her. Be like, hey, honey, when you grow up, you're getting melon hats. <laughs> We know a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know where to get him. So to answer your question from, not a question, but something we said earlier, all I've been able to find on chocolate and alcohol, <laughs> the only thing I found on chocolate and alcohol 
is if you're drinking, uh, chocolate will actually give you acid reflux problems. Mm. I don't know if that's what you're talking about, but that's the only thing I've been able to find. Is to say, oh, like it's I've heard that growing up is like, yeah, you do it when you're drinking. The last thing you want is chocolate. Everybody craves salt. You don't crave chocolate. And I was like, I've always craved like chocolate and sweet stuff. And people are like, you're nuts. And I'm like, you know, so if you have if you're drinking and you have chocolate, it actually, yeah, it makes a lot of gastric problems for people. Um, because that's one thing I've heard is if you have acid reflux problems, you shouldn't have chocolate or caffeine because that'll jack up your system. So, and spicy foods. Just throwing that out there. I, I have, I'm just remembering the time where I went against all those rules. <laughs> no wonder I did not feel good after, but yeah. Oh no, Brandon not listening to expert advice. Oh no. <laughs> It's Who would have like seen that coming? To ignore when somebody tells me something, absolutely ignore it until I find it out the hard way. Oh, 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 yeah. That's that's totally us. Like, I don't know how many times someone's like, "You really shouldn't do that," and I'm like, "You're right. I'm still gonna try it." Yeah, right. <laughs> that's kind of like you have to learn by doing it first. Like, I I only learn lessons through hands-on experiences, not from being told. There's there's an old saying. It's uh, was it dumb people don't learn from their mistakes smart people um learn from their mistakes and wise people learn from other people's mistakes yeah and i'm like i'm probably the dumb person because i rarely learn from my own mistakes and then sometimes it touches on i learn from my mistakes (laughs) if i look at somebody and i see they have a mistake instead of learning from it i'm like oh i can do that better (laughs) it's like wait that's not how you're supposed to think about it (laughs) It's like, no, no, that's not the lesson you're supposed to No, you're going to get in the same situation in a cosplay. <laughs> it's like, you're probably going to make this worse, too. And I'm like, yeah, probably. And um, my brain just doesn't go there. It just goes, you can, I can approve upon this and make this better. It's like that, that insane level of self of like self-confidence that entrepreneurs get and need. Yeah. You just think you can approve absolutely everything. Like, it's yeah. like, you're the Elon Musk of everything. Yeah, yeah. And not all entrepreneurs can do that. You know, it's like, don't most businesses fail in the first five years? Shush, shush. It's like, keep that to yourself. I'm going to fix this problem. Lucky for you, sir. I'm not most businesses. (laughs) That's the exact reaction that most have. This time. It's like Sally, you it's made a work. cupcake and you opened Sally's Cupcake Bakeries. I know like 20 of you. <laughs> oh, man. Or like, no, I run a profitable MLM. I like. You run it or you. <laughs> Can we like, backtrack that statement? Yeah. It's like, what do you mean by profitable? Do you mean you've made more than $190? You that's got that's, to start that's your... not a company I'm not buying, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a freaking MLM. I love that. I run. A I don't even want to run the MLM that you know the people buy into. Like, holy, like, oh my god. Oh, oh. Speaking of LMs, I have a guy. I have a friend of mine come to me, and he goes, "Isn't crypto just MLMs?" <laughs> I was like, "Get out! You've been getting hit up a hundred times a day, haven't you?" <laughs> 
Yep, that's He's the like, issue. I don't is. understand the crypto stuff. I think it's just all MLMs. And he's an older gentleman. He's a really good friend of mine. Really smart dude, but he just you know he's not in that world. And I was like, um, we'll have a conversation later because crypto is much more than MLMs. But the MLM, so it's like it's like this, right? If ML, if the world of MLMs and multi-level marketing can get their hands on it and ruin the industry, they absolutely will. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, they totally do, and. Uh, man, I've seen so many people get scammed from uh, the crypto world. And it just, it makes me so upset. I'm like, stop. Yeah, crypto is not a scam in general, but people get biased about it because they bet on the wrong horses. Well, that, or they get scammed by someone who's taking advantage of people. Well, no, that's what you I'm know. saying. They bet on the wrong yeah. horses, right? Like they put their trust into that individual without yeah. verifying that everything about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's just, it's crazy. I'm like, oh my God, what are you guys doing? You know? Mm-hmm. So I forget who, I don't know, but I've seen a couple I, people like get. Anybody who uses, guys, uh, audience, listen, I'll give you a, a really good, easy way to avoid any crypto scam. If they have the word guaranteed, uh, mm. just, don't. <laughs> just don't. Yeah. Just don't. Like, because <laughs> find me somebody who can legit guarantee a crypto opportunity like seriously think about that for a minute yeah how is I mean, that's not possible i mean even even with stocks and investments like there are rules yeah. from like the sec and whatever that, that language about guarantees yeah you can't like it's like it's illegal you can't guarantee things you know you can make projections you can do all these other things but you can't be like i guarantee you a no no that's that's probably a bad sign right <laughs> it's probably a bad sign yeah oh man when they have five sec warnings already it's probably a bad sign (laughs) take yeah yeah it's too bad and there's but there's such good opportunities and it just gets wasted and you get lost in the mess of you know um people scamming each other and then it's like people just want to make quick easy money and they'll do it any way they can, which is typically by screwing over other people. Yeah, unfortunately. So, yeah, know, absolutely. It's, it's I a very, very big dog in the influencer industry years ago told me um, it was it's a it's a controversial statement, but I, I agree with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically he said it doesn't matter what you do to get somebody's money as long as you are ethical with what you do with it and then what you how you like basically do what they paid you to do right so he's like most people worry too much about the customer you know about what they'll think about them about you taking their money yeah but you just have to get their money and then make sure they're happy with what they paid you for it's like there's actually a distinction there where you do everything in your power to get their money and then make them happy after it's like most people think that is like one trip one fluid process he's like no he's like you had like getting their money and then after the fact, fulfilling on whatever you need to fulfill on to make them happy are two separate transactions. So, so it's like, do not combine the two or you'll be stuck. And it was a really interesting conversation because he was basically saying, if you need to get like, and by the way, I don't preach this and I'm not saying this, but he's like, it's okay. He's basically stating that 
you can tell a customer what you want to get their money as long as you know what they want, because generally at the time, they don't know what they want. So if you're a good person, and you're going to deliver on it, say whatever you can to close that deal. Yeah. And it's a, that is a very controversial statement. But if you look at it in hindsight, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I can understand why people would be upset with it, too. So I, I can Absolutely. definitely see both sides of both sides of that argument. Um, I think the the real pin in that argument is the second half of it when I say make sure you're fulfilling and making them happy mm-hmm. because that's that's where you get the big difference that yeah, first that's, set, that's why if you don't care about that part you're a scam artist correct that first part can be very different <laughs> if uh depending on how you handle once you get their money right mm-hmm. so yeah because and the same and the same premise of that he also said if you don't do what you can to get their money and you're a good person, and you're going to fulfill on it, then somebody who's not a good person is coming right up behind you, who is going to do whatever in their power that, you know, that's possible, and say whatever they can to get their money, and then hurt them. Yeah, and that's also true, too. And I was like, that it's a really good point. It's, It's, like I said, it's controversial, but it's a really good point when you look at like that, well, if I don't close this sale, and I'm a good person, and I'm going to deliver for them, then somebody else is going to close it, and they may not be. Yeah, I heard, this is really funny. Um, We used to joke around all the time about car salesmen who sell cars. Yep. And so we would would talk about... um, customers and how like man you are you are the best salesperson that i've never bought a car from right they'll be like you're so nice and you're such a good salesperson but i bought from this other dude right right and and it's like you bought a crappy car like that's not a good car so i I said i can definitely see people don't like high pressure sales they don't like being on the receiving end of it and sometimes they don't like being on the front end of it too right or they don't like being the person doing it at the same time the person that does it is walking away with all your sales, right? So you can definitely see how it's... uh... You're going to have the power to, without being overly, without being like overly controlling, you got to have the power and the confidence to push. Yeah. And if you don't, the other person's going to get the sale. Again, you got you to think of yourself. Not, don't even think of yourself as a salesman. That's the thing. The confidence comes from looking at yourself like an, as, a, as an advisor to the transaction, Right. What do you believe in? What do you believe they should do? What do you believe they should get based on this situation? Like for car salesmen, instead of looking at it from a car sales point of view, look at it from a financial perspective, right? Based on what this person can afford in their life situation, what do you advise that they should buy in their best interest, right? Yeah. Look at it like that. The confidence will ride you through that entire transaction and sale because you don't need to be pushy because you're not a salesman trying to sell them a car. You're advising on a transaction based on their situation and what you're telling them is in their best interest at that point. Correct. So this is interesting. Touching on that point really quick. Um, I remember, I think it was Ryan Stuman. He was talking about doctors, right? Doctors walk in to the room they've got their little white coats on they're like you need this or you're gonna die and that's the easiest sale they'll ever make right the easiest clothes you'll ever see where a lot of salesmen kind of hem and haw and they're like oh i need to do this when like you said confidence you walk in this is the solution to your problem this is what's going to cost here side of thing right Mm -hmm. how can we get you to this point 
so it's kind of a um as you were saying it's definitely a was it selling with doc selling like a doctor yeah yeah advisory advisory being a doctor being a um a consultant to the situation how do you being a problem solver like instead of a salesman being a deal being a deal maker and a problem solver um this is where you are this is what you can afford this is where you're at how do we make a win-win situation with it and how do i solve your problem that's all you need to care about you don't need to it's not about if a person like i i love it because one of the things um, I was taught back in car sales days, um, not from the dealer, because honestly, they sucked, but yeah. um, from another person in car sales who did quite well. He told me, it's like, if, if he's like, if a customer comes in and asks for um, a hunt, you know, like, let's say they ask for, I'll just use it a car. Everybody knows um, a Ford Mustang. Is that the car they want? And I was like, if, if you say, if I said yes, I would be wrong. Because if a customer comes in and asks for a Ford Mustang, that may not be the car they want. I don't know their situation. I have to, you have to actually ask them more about their situation and what they're yeah, looking yeah. for, regardless of what they tell you, because they may just see the Mustang outside, think it's a cool car, and they may actually want a Camaro, but they don't think they can afford a Camaro until you find out they do, right? Yeah, yeah. Like So it's like that. It's If a, a rookie salesman would answer, yes, it's what they want because it's what they asked for. They don't know what they want. That's the answer. No customer knows what they want until you uncover their situation that proves they know what they want. And usually their situation doesn't line up with what they want, you know, like what they're talking about immediately. Yeah. So just uh, again, I agree with you on that point. When when I was selling cars, I forget what the percentage is because we're talking almost a decade now, but um, the people would almost never end up with the car they came in for, right? Correct. So they saw a, an ad online or they saw this particular car on what, not Craigslist, but maybe Craigslist, cars.com, you know, any of those no. car, car gurus, stuff like that, right? And they come into the dealership and they, like 80% of the time, I'm making that up, uh, end up on a different vehicle and off they go, right? So they knew they wanted this car and then they bought one that's way different, right? Even to the point of it being like, hundred dollars more a month than they wanted and they're like oh whatever you know i want that one instead because i had this one dude he came in on a really nice ford uh i think it was a ford fusion nice car low miles fit his budget it was great everything you wanted ended up on the chrysler 300 with the v8 like 150 dollars more a month than he yeah. thought he thought he could afford but it was like way more mileage. Right. But he, he loved that car. He liked the color. That was the one for him. Right. And no amount of me saying like, uh, you were complaining $200 a month was too much. That's like three fifty a month. And you're ready to throw the money down. He's like, I want him. Right, cool. Let's sign the paperwork. That's because he finally, you finally uncovered what his true wants and needs were. Like for him, it was that car for him. And for him from that entire story, you just told me, as less to do with the car and more to and the payment and more to do with how the car made him feel. Absolutely. You know, and it's that tale as old as time, you know. Um, how does it make you feel, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why I love cars. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I buy cars because of the way I feel driving them. Yeah. That's why, I had the, that's why I've always owned up until lately muscle cars. Absolutely. So this is kind of just a touch on this one last time before we uh, take off. Like I had this one dude uh, came in, 
you looked at what was it? it was a mazda 300 no mazda whatever i forget what the stupid things are threes. yeah mazda three and little hatchback looking thing i showed it i'm like what about this thing you know and he's like oh, i don't know if i like that like it doesn't look great i'm like well, let's take it for a test drive because this one would fit within the category of your budget right right and he's like but it looks not very nice and i'm like just let's just get in and take a drive and tell me what you think right so we're driving down the road and this dude smiling ear to ear because this little thing had a turbo in it and it was a nice mazda 3 and we got back and he's like it's fine like and that was it sign the paperwork off he goes right so like you said looks at receiving getting in it and feeling it there you go. <laughs> no, no, exactly. That's how I felt about WRXs for the longest time. I thought they were the ugliest things on the freaking planet. Then I got it. Then a um a friend of mine convinced me to get in and drive one. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I kind of like these little things, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, guess what happened when I decided I liked it? I actually started liking the looks of them more. Yeah. So something I absolutely hated, I hated less and less until I started liking them. So yeah. That's how humans work. And it's incredible when you understand that because then you can sell to people accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. So this has been fun. Right? <laughs> absolutely. So how do people uh, how do people find you, learn more? So talk my to you website is www.codycapital.com. Cody with a T, C-O-T-Y, capital.com. And they can always email me at brandatcodycapital.com. We're always looking for businesses to buy. If you are looking to sell your business um, or sell part of your business, I would love to have a conversation with you. So that's how you find me. Uh, perfect. So again, I'm Chris Pastrana, American Entrepreneur. Uh, this is American Entrepreneur Off the Wall. Episode two, the first one was actually very highly received, which is pretty cool. People, I got a lot of compliments about our conversations. <laughs> good. So well, they're pretty uh, candid. They're yeah, we're just having a good time. They're off the wall. Yeah. And uh, so people really liked it. So I'll keep giving them more of it. So um, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, until next month.